welcome to the High Achievers Quest podcast, where we host extraordinary individuals who are disrupting and transforming the way we do business and the way we lead ourselves and others. Now, our today's guest will be of great interest to all of our listeners who are looking to grow their businesses internationally and expand globally. Now, Zain Ali is a co-founder and a CEO of Centuro Global, a company that helps businesses expand globally through their online platform that helps you connect with local experts in over a hundred countries in the world, and they offer legal advice every step of the way. Now, all the way from London, UK, please help me welcome Zain Ali. Zain, welcome. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. How's it going? It's lovely to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Now, Zay, we're going to cut straight to the chase. And uh, I would love to kind of have our audience to get to know you a little bit before we dive into international expansion and legal matters that are your thing. <laughs> and so um, if we start with an icebreaker question, what is Zane absolutely obsessed with? It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, probably a lot of things, but I think number one, I don't know if this is the right answer, but I love traveling. Um, it's literally one of the best things for me. So I've been to over 50 countries. I've been to pretty much every continent except for Antarctica. Um, it's not really on my list, to be honest. I don't really like the cold. Um, but yeah, I think just experiencing different culture, cultures, cuisines, histories, meeting new people. I think for me, that's just Brilliant. So experiencing new cultures is what I'm mostly obsessed with. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. And so I know that you're also uh, very good at what you do. And uh, a part of your obsession in the last two and a half to three years uh, has been this uh, business uh, baby, if I can call it that way, uh, <laughs> that you've been growing uh, with this fantastic background um, or concept behind it, right? So you're, you're the CEO of uh, Centuro Global. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about what the business does? What's the vision of the company, especially now when everything's going completely digital? And yeah. uh, you can talk a little bit about the value that you guys bring to your clients. Sure. Um, so we kind of help companies go global. So our whole ethos is about easing the international expansion process. And I think you've kind of meant, touched on it there. I mean, everything is now going digital. And the past year particularly has been quite difficult given the pandemic and travel restrictions. And what we're trying to do is just to make lives easier for people. So when it comes to international expansion, there's so many things to think about. So, you know, how do I enter a market? Do I need to set up a company? How do I move staff? What are the local laws, immigration? How do I open up a bank account? There's so many different things, office space, it's endless. And at the moment, there's no single solution, single place where somebody can go to to get everything. So, you know, you have to kind of appoint different advisors in different areas. It's a fragmented process. Things can get lost, keeping track of it. So much research needs to be done. So what our vision is, is to simplify that, provide a one single solution where everyone can come um, to find all of their answers, all of their strategy, and, you know, not have to stress. So we want to save people time, money, and ensure quality service wherever you're looking to expand to in the world. Well, that's a fantastic concept. I really love the fact that as you're describing that, it sounds to me that you are creating an ecosystem, right? A place that is willing to collaborate, give, take, learn from one another, right? And, and kind of 
uh, enhance the value that your clients get. Now, when we first spoke, you also mentioned that um, your business is developing this platform that will allow you to, to combine uh, everything that you've just mentioned uh, into one central point of um, access and value for your, for your clients, uh, which is an online platform that helps businesses uh, match or find local experts in over a hundred countries, right? And so if I'm a business based in uh, middle or central Europe and I wanna expand across the pond, um, I guess you can connect me with some certified, ver verified uh, local experts who will help me connect with either an accountant or a lawyer. And, and I guess people who will know uh, everything that needs to be known about their, their laws and the rest. So can you talk to me about how do you, how does that process work, right? Because I really would like us to present um, what's the verifying process. For example, if someone, we have a, an international audience on this podcast, what if there's a provider who thinks, ah, oh, Zane, this is a great idea. I would love to join your platform. How do I do that? How do I qualify? Can you yeah. take us through the process? Sure. So it, we are in a marketplace. So like you said, there is a whole verification process. We're selective with the various you know, providers, experts we bring on board. Um, and typically, I mean, we don't, there's not a one size fits all solution. So we don't like to be rigid with this is the only kind of fit that we're looking for. But essentially what we look for is boutique firms. So firms that are kind of within their region, they deal with international clients as well as local clients, but they're not so big that they've lost that personal touch. We want to work with people, you know, who really take care of their clients. And for them, by joining a network like ours, they get their international reach without necessarily being a huge firm. And we want to compete with those bigger firms. So I think that's one of the things we look for. And then, as you mentioned, you know, we are building an ecosystem. It is a community. So we're looking for people who are willing to be engaged, willing to participate in the community, willing to give, because the more everybody gives, the more everybody receives. Um, and we really also want to disrupt the way that professional services are consumed. We really want everyone to think about the client. How can we make the process simpler, easier for them, deliver real high quality? So we're looking for partners or experts who are willing to come on this journey with us to disrupt that, that space and do something different. You know, maybe have some entrepreneurial spirit about them as well. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Do tell, what about the flip side, the opposite side? So I know that we're talking about companies, businesses that are only looking to um, flirt with international markets and expand. Um, but what about those who potentially already are international and they might be looking for um, that extra gear or they're looking for that extra edge in terms of their competition? Um, tell us more about what types of clients uh, is your platform and your offering attracting or what yeah. clients is that suitable for? Sure. I think we kind of fit any company. So like you've touched it quite nicely there where you could be a large company who's already international or you could be a newer company that's sort of looking at it for the first time. And it doesn't matter what stage you're at. The problems are still the same. When you go to a new market, it's still unknown. Every country has different laws. Every country has different requirements. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, there's so many different pieces to that puzzle. Um, so we help anyone of any size. And I think the key, the differentiator between us is we don't just match make with local experts. What we do is we look at the strategy. So, you know, we'll have a consultation with somebody if they need it. 
we have a platform with information so people can also use it in a self-service way to help them inform their strategy with information for over 100 countries. And then when you need to execute on a certain part of the project, you know who the local experts to go to are, or you can go through us and we'll coordinate it to make sure that strategy is there. So yeah, I think it works for both the larger companies and the sort of smaller ones who are scaling for the first time. Okay, now let's dive a little bit deeper if we can. I, I'm really keen on the practicality of this um, because obviously working with international businesses myself, I, um, I still would love us to learn from certain challenges or certain very common um, situations, maybe mistakes that are made when expanding globally, As, especially right now, right? There's a, there's a lot of regulations, there's a lot of um, tax rules and all the rest that one has to meet how do you structure yourself or what, let's make it easier for you. What are maybe two or three questions that I need to ask as a company expanding? Um, and, and I really need to make sure I get those three questions answered by professionals like yourselves to avoid or to prevent certain catastrophes potentially. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing is it really comes down to planning. So from a question point of view, I think one question would be, have you got a vision to be in wherever you're scaling to for the long run? Is this a long-term project or are you just going in for a specific reason for a small project? I think that's a very important question. Mm -hmm. uh, another important question would be, how soon do you want to enter that market? Um, I think those two actually are the starting point and that will then inform how we kind of go about the rest of it so when you know what your goals are when you're what your objectives are everything else fits in so to give you a kind of a practical example we had a client once who they they wanted to set up in the states in the us they had plans they thought you know in three months or so we'll set up an entity and they'd actually already sent a member of staff over to new york on an esther on the sort of tourist visa and they were kind of you know putting the feelers out there testing the market starting a few things. And they said to us, oh, we just want to test the market out for a few months. Uh, is this fine on an Esther? And well, the answer is no, that's a tourist visa. If you're going out there and you're starting some of the business, you're putting the feelers out, you're meeting the clients, you're doing this. And they, a lot of what they were doing were, was on, through online marketing. So they had an online digital presence. Then when further down the line, if they did apply for a business visa, set up the entity, you know, it'd be discovered what they'd been doing previously and that would invalidate the whole thing. And they wouldn't even be allowed to set up. It would kind of cost the whole business altogether. Um, so I think when you know what your objectives are, what do you want to achieve in the short term? What do you want to achieve in the long term? You can then map out all the different options and then look at what you need to do today in the right way rather than in a rushed way. You think, okay, here's an easy way of doing something. I can just fly out there. I can do this, I can do that. Um, everything you do can impact other parts of the process of expanding internationally because there are so many moving parts. So I think getting that strategy sorted from day one is key. And actually, um, that reminds me of another example. So we had a corporate client, so this is a larger company. They'd won a tender to deliver a project in Ghana. So this was a shorter term project rather than long-term presence. Um, and but in order to do that, they actually had to set up an entity. So they'd gone to another firm, one of the big four consultancy firms to set up the entity in Ghana. They then came to us later on in the process, several months down the line and said, OK, the project's due to start. We've got an entity. We now need to move our staff over to deliver on that project because they already had employees who were you know, trained up to deliver this work. So we looked at everything. But 
Ghana, like pretty much every other country, has multiple entity types you can set up. And the entity type they had created didn't allow them to bring over expats. It required them to hire locally. So they got it wrong. They had to undo all that work, but the project was due to start. If they couldn't get the staff over to start the project, they'd lose the tender. So we got involved. We worked with one of our local partners in Ghana and we managed to get special special dispensation from the government to allow them to bring that staff, those staff members over to start the project whilst we created the right entity to deliver on it. And I think the reason this went wrong was because they weren't speaking to, they didn't speak to their advisors, the other firm initially, clearly enough, but also that firm clearly didn't ask the right questions because if they'd known what the overall objectives were, what the long-term goals were, this wouldn't have happened. So if you get everything right from the beginning, you'll save yourselves time, money, and ensure you can kind of do things in the right way. I bet. I mean, that that example raised my heartbeat a little bit, let alone <laughs> what that must have done for the owners of the business looking to obviously deliver on the project and not being able to. Uh, well, that's really useful information. I, uh, I would love to hear a bit, maybe a little bit more about, um, you were talking about examples of what could go wrong. What can go wrong, right? Like, what are some amazing examples of clients that you have seen have really spread their wings internationally? And maybe is there is there like a business model that is more <laughs> prone to success for going internationally? Uh, you know, in comparison to others. Yeah, I don't think there's one like one model that every company can follow. I think that's actually a key part of going global as in you can always look to other companies for inspiration, but you shouldn't kind of copy because it won't necessarily apply to you. So, I mean, it completely depends on your your sector, your industry, on, again, your goals within a region. Um, but, you know, if you look at well-known corporate names, for example, if you look at Uber, they're an example of what can go really well and also what can go really wrong. So they scaled at such a rapid rate. They were pretty much opening up in a new city in the world every month at one point. And that's because they'd created their plan. They had a playbook. They were like, we're going to go into a region. We're going to do some guerrilla marketing. We're going to kind of under the covers, find drivers, recruit drivers from other taxi companies. We're going to kind of put marketing like feelers out there, offer people free rides. And then we'll set up an entity if we need to. Then we will do X, Y, Z. And they literally just replicated this model everywhere they went. And it worked so well. And they grew so fast. But the downside was because they copy and pasted everywhere they went and moved so quickly, they weren't actually able to adapt to local laws. So they came unstuck in so many countries for breaking the law, for breaching regulations for, you know, in the UK, for example, they've had a lot of battles over the past couple of years, few years. It even went to the Supreme Court about whether drivers are employees or, you know, just freelance drivers. And it's finally been ruled they are employees. And this completely disrupts uber's model because they're already not profitable if they suddenly have to pay a minimum wage benefits bring in hr policies the rest of it for every driver that completely undermines their whole model so you can replicate everything you do but you also have to adapt to every country you go to and really think about local laws absolutely and it's it is a complex business right it's very complex and that's why having experts in those local countries is ever more important. And so talk to us a little bit about that, this platform that you're creating, like how does it work technically? Um, is it affordable price-wise? Is it, 
Is it subscription-based? Is it one-time fee? Is it like, how does it work? Can you, can you speak to us a bit more about how would certain listeners who are listening to us right now uh, be able to log on and, and start using the service? Sure. I mean, at the moment, we're at the launch stage. So we're giving away free access for now. It will be a tiered subscription model in the longer term. So what we have is, you know, as a user, you could create your account, you come in, you can literally, we ask a few questions initially about, you know, what your goals are, which countries you want to go to, what your biggest challenges are. And then once you're in, you get a world map, you can select any country in the world. And what we've done is we've broken down detailed information for everything, whether it's, you know, tax information, it's how do I set up an entity? Uh, what are local laws I need to think about? How do I open a bank account? How long will it take me? What documents do I need to apply for certain things? There's a lot of detailed information for all these countries. So you can come in, you can use that to prepare your strategy and it's all vetted information. So we get all of our experts in every jurisdiction to update the information regularly. So you know you can trust it rather than going on Google and going on 20 different websites, finding conflicting information. So that's one of the elements we have. And then for each section, again, like we've discussed before, there are recommended experts. And then we can also help with the strategy. Longer term, we've got a lot more features in the pipeline, like for you to be able to manage your project, for you to be able to kind of appoint experts, track everything on the system. Um, so when we bring in the newer features, we'll also introduce our kind of subscription model. Um, but for now, we're open. So if anybody wants to kind of use the platform, we're bringing people on for free. How exciting. Do, I'll make sure that I post the link uh, beneath this video. So just share it with me um, yeah. if you can. But that's all very exciting, right? And I love the fact that you're going to create a bit of a productivity uh, tool within the tool um, to really make it a one-stop shop. Fantastic. Now. We touched on this earlier. You were saying that in the example of Uber, how you know they, they're a great example, but they're also an example of what could go wrong. Um, I always do love to touch on business mindset though and, and the leader's mindset behind it. Now, as we said, you know, expanding internationally is a beast on its own. Um, what would you say from your experience? Um, personal experience, obviously running an international business, but also uh, an experience from your clients that you deal with. What are maybe two or three traits of a leader or a business owner that are very welcomed um, when expanding internationally? Okay, it's a good question. Two or three traits. I think one of them is to be adaptable. Mm. So when you're kind of running an international business, you're kind of managing team members or dealing with people in multiple countries, you have to be able to adapt. Anything can go wrong. New developments come up pretty much every hour, if not every day. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to be able to roll with that and think, okay, how do we make this work? Or is this a good thing? Actually, we had our mind fixed on doing things this way, but actually that sounds better. Should we pivot? And then also knowing when not to pivot and think, actually, no, we need to stick to our original plan. So adaptable is one trait. Um, I think the other one is also with an international business or even a national business, I think you need to be culturally aware. Yeah. So within your own organization, even if you're in one country, you need to understand the needs of different personalities, people from different backgrounds, and that's kind of enhanced even more when it is an international business because you've got people from all over the world and people do things in different ways and will take things in different ways. Mm -hmm. So I think being able to manage people in that way is also important. And, you know, just for yourself to be empathetic and respectful. Um, and then a third trait I would say is to be determined because it's 
always going to be challenging. There's always going to be things thrown at you. And the key is to not be overwhelmed and to just keep going. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I do know, Zane, that you are a multitasker yourself. You need to be all of every and everything and all that you've just described because of, of the nature of your job uh, and what your business does. Can you tell us about personally, how do you manage um, balancing your work life where you have to, you know, juggle with so many time zones and so many countries and different cases and uh, also your personal life? What are you, what, what are your secrets? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I'm quite guilty of being bad at juggling those things, but I think the key is to be organized. So, I mean, there are occasions where, you know, I know I need to do certain things that are not work related or, you know, allocating certain time where I know that I'm just going to avoid any work calls between these hours. Or I know some, one of my colleagues, what he does is he says, no calls Monday and Friday, international calls, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you book in whatever you need to do, but you dedicate Monday and Thursday to other areas of work. So I think, organization is key one of the things I do this might be a weird tip but on Outlook for example I have I've created three folders one is called action one's called read um I can't actually remember what the third one's called but anyway what I do is if there's emails that come in and I know I need to read them but they're not urgent just stick them in the read folder there's emails where I know I need to kind of work on this but I'm busy at the moment stick them in the action folder and then most urgent priority things I carry on with and then I know rather than being, because I get like hundreds of emails a day, rather than scrolling through and looking for them and then what do I need to do? They're just in those easy to access folders. So that helps be organized. Um, but then I think today in this kind of day and age, because everything is online, because with COVID, I mean, at least in the UK, and I know a lot of other countries, people haven't been to the office for nearly a year. Yeah. And you can't go anywhere or do anything. So you end up working all the time like seven days a week 24 hours so I think it's really important to carve out time to do other things to you know exercise spend time with your family you know go for walks and just carve it out you, you need to avoid burnout so I think those are some of the things I do I like I've, I used to work a lot on the weekends and the past few months I've said you know what unless I really have to Saturday and Sunday I'm going to kind of keep to family time or personal time to the extent I can I think that's also important Oh, absolutely. And you've, you've really touched on so many good ones because mental health, burnout, physical exhaustion, um, you know, overwhelm. There's a lot of people who are dealing with those emotions and it's crucial, like you said, to really carve that time out for, for oneself. Um, what about your favorite app? Is there an app that you could not live without? Oh, that's a tough one. Um... I don't think there's an app I could live without. If you asked me a year ago, I was addicted to Instagram. <laughs> okay. But I don't know if that was linked to traveling. So every time I go anywhere, I quite like photography, but I've never owned an actual camera. So any professional photographers are probably cringing. But for using my smartphone, I, use, I love taking photos, you know, different scenery, editing them. So I was quite addicted to Instagram for a long time. But sadly, I've not been anywhere for 12 months and I've not really taken any pictures at home. Um, I guess WhatsApp. Just, you know, communicating with people is important. I probably use that the most if you look at my phone usage. Got it. What about productivity tools? You said that you're installing uh, something similar to the platform you're, you're, you're developing. Uh, is there a productivity tool that you are relying upon either by yourself or with your team? 
Um, so we use a few tools to kind of track what everybody's doing. So we use HubSpot, for example, um, to track kind of the sales process. That's a good one for sort of saying who everyone's targeting, what stage of the life cycle they're at. Um, we all use Microsoft Teams to kind of communicate from a productivity perspective. I guess that doesn't help too much. <laughs> um, what other tools do we use? I think they're the kind of HubSpot's the main one for tracking productivity. Great. What about for our listeners who like to either sit down and read or listen to books? Um, do you have your favorite business book that you've recently read that you would highly recommend to anyone looking to either expand or just do better in business? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great business books out there. Recently, I read um, Shoe Dog, which is the memoir of the founder of Nike or Nike, Phil Knight, um, which was an amazing book. So he's, he just kind of tells his story from day one. And when you think of Nike as a brand, you don't, I mean, like before I read the book, I just kind of, it's an iconic brand. You just see it, you think of the adverts, you think of the clothes or the football boots or whatever, the various products. Um, but when I read the book and how it shows he started it off by himself, essentially in his bedroom, he had the idea, he kind of so semi bluffed his way into deals with manufacturers in Japan, kind of created an image, created a logo. He didn't even like the logo, but he had a deadline. We need to print these shoes for a trade show. Let's just get them done. And he borrowed lots and lots of money and was always kind of up against the finances. Am I even going to make it? Am I going to go bankrupt? And all the lows of, you know, hiring people and clashing with staff members and things like that. And I don't know, all the different challenges he had. And for me, it was just really inspiring because it, it made a global brand mm. feel so much more relatable. And it showed you how even the big, big businesses start off as just a small idea, one person, two people, three people. And through a lot of hard work, determination, luck, just knowing when, I mean, people say luck, but you almost create your own luck because by not giving up, you create those opportunities by being ready to take those opportunities when they do arise. And then I think the other skill is knowing when to give up, whether it's a small part yeah. of what you're doing. Actually, this is, there's no point continuing with that. And I think Shoe Dog really kind of encapsulates all of those things. So it's definitely an inspirational book. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. That's definitely going on, on my book list. Um, now, before we wrap up, Zane, do tell us, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So just search Zane Ali, probably Centura Global, since it's a fairly common name. Um, I think that's the main place to find me or on our website, centuraglobal.com. Great. I'll link everything below this video. Um, and obviously, for those listening on our podcast, uh, I'll, link, I'll link that as well. Um, could you, for the final uh, question that I have for you today, um, what is the one advice that you would give to a younger self uh, just starting in business? Um, I think what I would say is to just go for it and not to worry about what other people think. Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is kind of, judgment from others so I think when you're first starting out you think okay I don't you might not necessarily know what you're doing because running a business you literally have to do everything you might be an expert in your field you might be an expert in the thing you're focusing on but then suddenly you need to worry about marketing you need to worry about accounts you need to worry about potentially managing staff for the first time as a business owner you need to worry about so many different things um 
And I think the key is to not be overwhelmed and just think, you know, I can do this. Or, or if you want to try something with marketing, for example, you know, if you want to create videos, you want to put videos on social media, maybe you want to start a podcast. People often think, oh, no, I don't want to do that because people are going to be judgmental or, you know, they're going to, I don't know if I can do it very well. You just have to do it. Everyone starts somewhere. And the more you do it, the better you get. So I think the number one piece of advice is to not be reticent. Because I think over time, you become stronger, you develop thicker skin when you're running a business. And at the beginning, you may not have that. And I think the key at the beginning is to kind of just free yourself of those sort of concerns. Yeah, that's a great tip. That's a very useful tip. Thank you so much for sharing all this gold with us, Zane. And uh, I can't wait to try out your platform. Uh, I'll make sure that we share the gold and that we share the goodies uh, with all our listeners. Obviously, it's something extremely valuable that you're creating and you're willing to give that um, for free initially. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of people will be super grateful from the value they receive. Uh, and uh, look, thank you so much for your time. And we are very uh, looking forward to having you back on again, maybe a little bit later down the line when your um, you know, platform and everything else is, has taken off. So uh, thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. It was great to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you, Zane. If you like this video, give it a like and share it with your friends. And if you want to be notified every time that we post new content, you already know the drill. Just hit that subscribe button and that bell next to it and we'll let you know. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.